you know, don't do this right now. You need to live in your brand. You need to occupy your brand first. Um, because I like to say, a designer can't give you a brand. They can only give your brand something to wear. You know, I am not in the process of just like handing out brands that are going to make you successful. And I think people see this, these pieces of the puzzle a lot of times because I've worked with them. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davey Jones, and today's interview is with Jen Olmsted, a Virginia-based graphic designer and visual storyteller who has worked with some of the biggest names in the creative industry. And today she's sharing how you can create a unique and authentic brand, even without hiring a designer. So, first getting started, uh, life looks a lot different for you now, right? Having that, <laughs> having a second child, um, yeah. yeah, right, and working from home, <laughs> uh, right, and you work from home primarily. I do. Yeah. yeah. So how does how has that been? Uh, how's that uh, transition been going from having one to two? I mean, I feel like I got knocked off a little pedestal because I feel like I was just like, hey, you know what? I don't know why people talk about like this is so hard to be like a mom and a creative and entrepreneur. Like we're doing great. And I think I unfairly remembered like when my first my daughter Serena was born three years ago. I was like, you know, this is this is great. I launched a website like the week after she was born. You know, I had I had guests in to work on their brands and she would like sleep for a few hours and I would work for a few hours and then we would like sip espresso together and I feel like I got so much done and so I thought that that's kind of what would happen this time around with my daughter Sophia who's now six months old and so I didn't really take time off with Sophia and I still had like a full slate of work because I was remembering like this this imaginary productive Jennifer that (laughs) had lived three years ago and this time I was like how did I not account for the fact that like when I have a a baby sleeping, I have a three-year-old who needs lunch or a snack or like the next episode of something or like wants to color. And so it was definitely a much bigger bigger adjustment than I thought it would be. And so I've really had to get into a new rhythm of like, okay, I can't really plan to have like four hours of work time at any time, unless I'm going to stay up until like two in the morning or unless I have help that day. So it was a really humbling adjustment of like, okay, this is a totally new season and I have to account for that. And I've been great, grateful to have clients in, the, in a business like with my my business tonic that's more of a residual income that can operate without my like direct involvement at every moment because I certainly haven't been able to be involved at every moment. So it's, yeah, it's, I feel like the light at the end of the tunnel is, is here, but it was definitely a bigger adjustment than I expected. Yeah, well, I know uh, Chris and I are going to be looking to you for uh, for advice. <laughs> You know, as we get as we get closer to June and uh, and figuring that out for our uh, for ourselves, um, but that's that's awesome. And I want to I want to go back and really talk about how you first got started. Sure. Um, so, you went to Patrick Henry College, and you majored yes. in journalism. Yes. And so, how you know how did a uh, degree in journalism uh, lead to design? Well, it's, it's, I'm very much the quintessential accidental entrepreneur story. I mean, very much so. I went to college for journalism. I was super excited about writing long form journalism and working for the New Yorker or like McSweeney's or the onion or something in that nature. And I knew at that point, and I still, it's still true now that mostly I just loved stories and I found people really fascinating and I loved talking with them and figuring out what, what made them tick. And so that was really representative um, in my writing at that point. It's like, okay, like how can we take this person and really articulate who they are and what they think and, and write something that appeals to I them? I do think that you would be great at The Onion. I mean, you would have yeah, been great at all right. of those places, but Thank I think you, you would have been, that would have been, that would have been a great fit. I was really excited about that. I was like, well, maybe I can be in broadcast and I'll like be Diane Sawyer that's like 
and they're like making people cry or like making them laugh, you know, just like I was very excited about this. And then I realized that I wasn't hot enough to be on daytime and I probably would just end up as a weather girl for like, you know, <laughs> 10 years until I got wrinkles and was like, okay, this is not a good trajectory for me. Um, so anyway, but it was, so that's what I was pursuing in college. And then I think it was kind of telling whenever I was the editor of the school paper and my first editorial decision was like, should we change the body font to Minion Pro? <laughs> it wasn't like anything story related, nothing like about actual journalism. And so I think that was the first hint whenever I loved, like I fell in love with editorial design and layout and was like up late researching other newspapers and magazines and kind of like sifting through those ideas. Um, and so I think it really began to, I began to realize like it, if the story doesn't look good, if it's not visually appealing, then people don't want to read it because all of a sudden when we rede redesigned even our school newspaper, everyone was like, Oh, did you know we had a school newspaper? Like this is not that. <laughs> so it was really telling. And so the college actually started hiring me to do some design projects for them, some marketing and like branding projects, which was dumb since I was like a college sophomore. <laughs> I'm like, that was a terrible idea college. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but then some friends were like, hey, I'm getting married. Can you design a wedding invitation? And then sooner or later, since I was in college, a bunch of my friends had started photography businesses around that time. Is like that kind of was booming. And we're like, hey, Jen, I would love to have your help designing my website. And I was like, no, that's not what I do. I don't, I don't do coding. Like, I don't have any experience in this whatsoever. And again, they were like, I don't care if you have experience. Like, let's just try it. And so they introduced me to the platform that you now love too, that I remember selling Crystal on a few years ago, um, Show It. And so we, I fell in love with Show It because A, the team was super awesome. And then obviously it's a, a platform where you don't have to do any like coding or backend work. It's all developed visually. So that was like a new, like exciting place for me to land. And so I started, I did my first website for a friend. And then one of her friends was like, hey, I saw your website. You know, who did that? Can, can they help me? And then things just began to snowball from there because, as you know, the creative world is just so very large and small at the same yeah. time. And I never, I don't think I, the great thing about what we do is you never have to tell someone, man, you really need a new website. They're like constantly in this like vacuum of like, oh my gosh, I totally need a new website. My website sucks so much. Please help. So <laughs> I feel like everybody goes through that each year almost, you know, where they feel like, hey, you know, my, my website needs an update. Um, and it's so true the, the the creative industry, I feel like is so big and you're always discovering different corners of it. But at the same time, uh, you know, somehow so small as well. I know. But that's such yeah. a fascinating story because that's kind of how Krista got involved in design as well. Uh, but it oh, was in really? high school. Yeah, she was working for the her high school school paper and realized that she didn't care so much about the, the writing part as she did about the layout of the paper. And so she was going to go originally uh, to school for journalism. And uh, right before she got there, decided to change her major to uh, design. And so that's how she got started in design, worked in a wedding invitation studio. And then- Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So it's very parallel life that I did not know about until yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's so interesting now talking to a number of entrepreneurs, how they kind of stumble into that world, you know? Um, because yeah. I don't really think that there is a ton of preparation, even if you were to major in business in school, there's not really right. a ton of preparation for- um, you yeah. know, for running your own business, uh, being, a, yeah. being an entrepreneur, being part of a small team, you know, so. Yeah. I think that's going to change. I think increasingly there's going to be like as, as kind of our like society has focused more on entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and that's been highlighted. I think that there are going to be a lot more streams of like even higher education that are oriented towards entrepreneurship. And I think I'm excited about that because I think that'll be a super beneficial thing because when I started out, I knew nothing about running a business. I still know very little honestly, <laughs> about running well, a you business. Have, you and your husband run, <laughs> uh, run your own businesses. Yes. Yeah. And without my husband, I would still, I would not have a business license. Um, <laughs> he's like, you should be an escort. But I'm like, that sounds cool. That's a lot of letters. Great. Um, so I've been, I've definitely benefited because he started his business in, in college um, to pay for college. And so he and his brother like paid for their school by working full time and starting a business in college. And st he still runs that business now. So I've, I've really benefited from his entrepreneurial streak too. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's so nice to have yeah. somebody, um, you know, because uh, Krista for a long time, she ran her own business and I was a high school teacher. Um, right. And I know that for her, um, having somebody else to be in it with her uh, was huge yeah. just from a support standpoint. But totally. I hope that you're right and that uh, education does start, uh, you know, going that route 
where there's more, I mean, just real world in, in general. Um, yeah. So your first clients, they were photographers. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I, I know it's, it's interesting because everyone says like in the creative world, like you've got to find your niche. And I feel Mm -hmm. like my niche kind of found me because thankfully every photographer knows approximately 1000 other photographers, um, it seems. And so when I did the first website for that photographer, you know, she ended up being kind of a sandwich board for my business because all of a sudden she had a new website and all of her friends and their friends saw it. And so I think that was a really beneficial thing for me to realize, like, as soon as you're in a pool, um, that pool is your client base. (laughs) And so that was a really helpful thing starting out as I never was like, I'm a, I'm a web designer for creatives and branding specialists for creatives and small businesses and photographers. My, that kind of became my title by the fact that I was working with this specific group of people. And because of that, I got to know that specific industry well and kind of what their clients were looking for and what that field looked like. And so I think that was really beneficial early on. So early on while, while you're taking those clients, um, did you yeah. know, like, so you built that first photography business. Did you, did you like working with uh, the photographer? Um, I did. and then, so you kind of knew after maybe building a couple of photography websites in particular that you're like, Hey, this is, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm good at this. Well, it was really interesting because I look back, it's really interesting because I feel like very quickly into the process, I was like, this is what I'm good at. Like, this is where kind of all the things I care about merge. Because I remember one of the first conversations with one of my clients, Sarah Bradshaw, who was my second client ever. We just launched the new version of her site, you know, so many years later. So she's still a client of mine. Um, And I remember sitting down with her in Panera and I was like, okay, so like, what do you want your site to look like? You know, who's your client? Like, what are the things like? And I began to ask her questions kind of as a journalist. And she really responded to that. And I feel like in the course of that conversation, she's like, man, I'm so excited because I feel like you really get what I'm trying to do. And I was like, yeah, no, I do. I feel like I, I get it. I feel like I know what kind of the story I'm trying to tell is. And then that made me really be equipped to visually translate that to, okay, like this is the story now, like what do the visuals look like? And so I think at the time, now that's a super popular concept, but I don't think that that was typical in the design community that I was in, at least at that point. I don't think that was how most people approached it. And so I think that made the results be somewhat different. And I loved then, like after I had that story in place, the visuals were already there. And that's the benefit of working for photographers, as you know, is that they already have great visuals. Whereas most small businesses are like, crap, I need to have photos for this. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, it's no. old iPhone photos or, you know, exactly. something like that. Yeah, I just for got sure. photos for a project the other day that I was doing actually for my college. And I was like, how is this photo 12 kilobytes? Like, <laughs> where did you get this photo? Like, there aren't photos under 12 kilobytes. Is this from like a smartphone from 25 yeah, years ago? the very like, first digital camera. <laughs> yeah. They have like their razor phone that they're taking photos with somewhere in like a dark room somewhere. I don't know. It's and so that's awesome. You're still doing some work for your college. Yeah, it's actually funny because they currently don't have a graphic designer on staff. And so they've joked that I am their staff graphic (laughs) designer. But I keep telling them, I'm like, no, I have two other full time jobs. Like, I am not your staff. You should you should say, yeah, that's fine. As long as my kids get full full rides to the school joked about like negotiating something like that. So that (laughs) may be my cards at some point soon here. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's I think that's genius. Um, so as you, as you got started and you, you know, you got your first client and that, you know, client led to, to others, um, did you ever get to a place where you're like, okay, now, like, this is what I want to do. Now I need to go and find clients. Were there any challenges there in building your client base or, um, did clients kind of find you? This is a terrible question because I'm going to say no, um, that I didn't ever, go out and find clients. In fact, I had the opposite problem. I call it like the oh crap moment of entrepreneurship where all of a sudden demand was far exceeding what I could execute. And so that was a huge struggle. Still is a struggle for me, honestly, is because those first few websites people responded to really well, 
all of a sudden I had this huge influx of inquiries and people that were like, Hey man, I love this website. Please build mine. Can you do it next week? And I was like, no, I can't do that. So I'm so sorry. No, I can't. And because of how kind of in depth my process was with each client, um, it was pretty time consuming for each project. And so all of a sudden I was facing being like overcommitted, working on too many things at one time, having this process that was like extending too far out because you know, I had a client and then another client and I was working on too many projects at the same time. And so that was honestly something that I really had to just overhaul my process, take fewer clients, um, and realize that like every single time I launched a website, there was going to be an influx of new inquiries of people saying like, Hey, please can, can you do this? Um, and I think that's the benefit of like figuring out kind of like what your process looks like in achieving an outcome that you're proud of and working with clients that you love is because each project is basically like your biggest marketing set piece at that point. Um, and so I think that it was, it was kind of the opposite problem where I wasn't having to find clients. I was having to figure out how to like treat my existing clients well, and then how to say no or figure out something else. And so that's actually why, um, I started the tonic site shop that I have with my partner, Jeff Shipley. That's why I started that with him because we saw this huge demand and this huge need and all these creatives were like, Oh my gosh, my website sucks. I love this website that you built. Can you do it? And I was just saying no over and over and over. And they're like, well, crap, like thanks. <laughs> and so anyway, we decided, okay, like there's obviously this huge need. We should design a set of templates for people who hate templates, who don't want a template website. Basically that was kind of our audience. We said it was templates for people who give a damn um, <laughs> with apologies to my mother who's listening to this. Um, but we set out to kind of create things that were just as good and like just as intentional and just as well researched and just as well designed as any of our custom projects that anyone would be proud to have who would say like, Oh man, it's like you designed this just for me. So that's kind of how tonic was born out of that, like feeling terrible for just saying, no, I can't help you over and over. Yeah. Well, that's, that's probably been a huge blessing then to be able to send people oh, yeah. to, to t templates. And the interesting thing about templates is a, uh, especially on show it, you know, I mean, uh, we're yeah. big fans of show it too. And, yeah. um, it's just such an easy platform to use and, and sort of pick up and uh, be able to do it yourself. And especially if you start with a good template, you can really make that template your own, I think. I mean, totally. so at the end of the day, you don't have to worry necessarily about having a matching website to somebody else. Um, because yeah. I think that most of the time when we look at uh, how people have used our templates, um, they end up with very different uh, websites at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a huge benefit. And I think like the narrative, at least that I was hearing years ago and that I still hear all the time now is like, I have this website that this someone built for me and I don't know how to change it. And so it's been the same thing for the last six years. I don't know how to add new photos. My portfolio is super out of date and I paid all this money for a site that I can't use myself. And I feel like that we've been so pleased to be able to say like, Hey, guess what? Like you don't have to be held in website jail. Yeah. <laughs> you should be in control of your own website. And so even now with my clients that I build stuff for, I love that like Jenna Kutcher is like, Hey Jen, I just added this page, you know, the sales page the other day. Will you take a look at it and I'm like that is so cool that she didn't need to say like Jen can you do this for me she took all the bones that we created together and she was able to create a totally you know matching new section without feeling like she was you know held hostage by my design so going back a little bit um, you, you had mentioned that you had to learn how to say no. And I feel like that's such a struggle for people is, oh. you know, they have this influx of work and you want to say yes <laughs> to everything, you know, one, because you're making money from it, you know, uh, but then also because you don't, you, you might not like to say no. Right. So how did you learn? Yeah. Like, how did you get in that rhythm of saying, okay, this, these are the, the projects that I'm going to focus on and that I'm going to say yes to. And these are the projects that I'm going to say no to, um, at least in the time being. You know, I will let you know that in 2019, <laughs> when I've achieved success. When we do another interview in 2019. Yeah, we'll have, exactly. Yeah. Whenever I solve this problem. Um, so I think that one of the things first you have to realize is that you're not the best fit for every client. 
you know? And I think that's something that we have to realize as creatives where we can see ourselves in so many shoes to our detriment. And I go like, I could be the one to do this for you. And these days I have a lot of people that are like, I know that you were put on this earth to design this website for me. And I'm like, you know, no, no, I don't think so. Um, Because there are tons of other really talented designers out there that that need a client. And so if I take on too many clients, why am I taking someone who might be a great fit for this person over here? Or why am I taking away an experience that this client might have so much better with another designer who's a better fit for them? So I think that shift in mindset is really important. Just realizing like you're not the best for everyone and everyone is not the best fit for you um yeah i think that's i think that's great insight i mean i think we see that in uh we saw that in our photography business as well we might have a really high high wedding uh or i'm sorry um a really uh high budget uh wedding inquiry that comes in and uh you know we kind of want to say yeah you know this wedding's going to be gorgeous but at the end right. of the day there might be a few things where it's just not a good fit for for us in particular yeah. um so i think learning to say no i mean it's difficult but i do think it it's is. it's very liberating at the end of the day um it and it really allows you to focus on those clients that are a good fit that are going to have right. the best experience possible yeah and so i think that it's realizing like who do you love to create for you know what do you who do you love to create for how much can you create And that's something for me that's been huge is realizing like I honestly can't take on too many projects before my work really suffers and before my client experience really suffers. And so my threshold for that is probably lower than a lot of people because I put so much into each project, um, into anything. And so I think that that's realized like, okay, who do I love to create for? How much can I create? Um, Those are two kind of guiding thoughts. And then when people inquire, it's also really telling like the things that they ask when they inquire, um, the things that they're attracted to. And I mean, I don't have like a specific design style um, I don't have like, oh, this is the kind of site I like to design over and over. And so you need to like this style because I really try to just to disappear as much as I can into each project. What I do love is having each one of those projects be super unique. And so if someone emails me and say, hey, I want something just like this project that you designed over here. To me, that's usually a good tell that I'm not going to be a great fit for the project because I don't want to just redo that website. You know, I want to do something. I want someone someone to say, man, I, I keep looking out there. I haven't found any anything that falls in line um, with what I'm looking for. Can you help me create something that's super new and original? And I think that that, that to me is like a super tantalizing opportunity of like, yes, like let's create something super new and awesome. And we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I want to get to how you do that. Um, yeah. But uh, do you feel like, you know, at, since we're talking about saying no and picking the right clients and things like that, do you think it's um, maybe even more important for a designer um, to okay. have, you know, to pick the right client because I, I almost feel like it's building a house, you know, and totally. it's, uh, it's a little bit more intricate than I think people realize, uh, coming into the experience, you know, like you had mentioned, uh, joking around about people coming and say, Hey, I need to launch my website next week, you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah. that's just not going to happen. You know, and it's not going to yeah. happen at least, uh, in, um, and it looked good, you know? So there's, there's yeah. more intricacies, intricacies to it. Um, there's some delays, you know, um, mm-hmm there's decision making on the part of the uh, on the part of the client um so how do you uh how do you communicate that kind of stuff to your client communicate them like what what the reasons are for them not being able to be you know how do i communicate when they're not a good fit is that what you're saying no so how do you communicate uh up front like what this process looks like because it is such i think a uh you know yeah. in-depth process yeah, so I feel like setting expectations in any project is is so vital. Um, and I'm just a quick aside here. I think that one of the things that I like to talk about as a designer is kind of figuring out the best case scenario process for you. And so one of the things that I've realized um, in my in my workflow is that when a project stretches out and stretches out and stretches out, it causes like as the timeline goes on, there's an automatic like decrease in inspiration and motivation um, for me both and and then also for the client. I feel like you get excited about something and then as the time goes on you get less and less excited sure. all the time and you kind of can't capture it's like it's like dating like that initial like 
that initial first date when sparks are flying, it's like, this is the really exciting time. And then obviously, you know, in best case scenario, that spark doesn't go away. Um, but in, in design work, I realized that I needed to kind of be able to act on that initial spark. And so I reoriented my workflow to be a design intensive focus. And so I actually did one yesterday with a client. And so we were sitting in a very collaborative atmosphere like you and I are right now. And I was showing her concepts and she was saying like, oh yeah, I like this, but something about this doesn't feel right. And so in that moment, there was a huge amount of energy where I was super inspired. Now, if I wait another four months, that energy would dissipate, you know, significantly. But if I work on her stuff today, whenever I'm coming off that like creative high, I'm still in it. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to realize as a, as a creative, like how do you work well? You know, if you're able, if you're like, I feel like Krista is this way, I don't know this about her, but she seems like a super disciplined creative where she's like, I'm gonna work on this project today. I'm gonna to sit here for 12 hours and knock out all these things. That's not my skill set at all. I need that like, that like, um, it's the journalist in me, honestly, it's the writer. Like I need that inspiration high. And so I've reoriented my process to basically figure out that out. So I communicate that to my clients now like, hey, we're gonna do all your homework first and then we're gonna have a design intensive where we work together and kind of get into the zone together and come out going, okay, like this is our game plan and then after that, then we can set our timeline moving forward. So yeah, um, yeah it's it's been super helpful. It's been a great change both for me and for my clients. So uh, if you go back in time, and this is the last uh, yeah. question I'll ask about you starting your business because I really want to talk about um, you know, how you stay inspired and how others can, you know, come up with an authentic and, uh, and unique brand. But um, sure. if you go back in time, what, what's one thing that you wish you had done sooner in your business? That what I just told you. Sure. Um, yeah, I really wish that I, because the first few projects I did that kind of went long and we were both frustrated and the client's like, hey, what's happening? And I'm mm -hmm. like, hey, it's just not there yet. All of that I think could have been saved by saying, taking a hard look at my client experience, my workflow and going, okay, how can I make this workflow work for me and work for my clients much better? Um, and I thrive in a collaborative environment. I love like chatting with you. I'll be like, super up for the next few hours because I love like interacting with people and so realizing that I'm not meant to be like in a basement by myself coming up with the design concepts <laughs> um that's that's just not how I work well so I think think through like think through how do you work best like what what leaves you in a like really creative space um and then figure out a way to make that your process and I think most creatives don't even think about that they go like this is how you do this thing and I've got to do it this way that this other person told me how to do it that's not true like that's this is the great thing about being an entrepreneur you are able to create and cultivate your own work environment so do that you know be be present in that work environment and figure out how you work well and then do that so I wish I had done that earlier. Yeah, I think that's a super helpful exercise just to look, maybe even at the end of every year, to look at uh, you know different pain points for not only your clients, um, right. but also yourself. Because we find with our clients yeah. that when we're focusing on those pain points, those things that we keep saying about our clients, man, I wish they wouldn't do this, you know? Yes. And I can think of a ton of examples in, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, in photography uh, or our yeah. photography business, just things that I wish, oh, I really wish they want to ask for this photo. You know, it's not yeah. going to look good. But, you know, as we think through those things, all those things can be solved with a little bit of education. Um, but I, I love your insight because I think the same could be true for yourself and your own business. So, you know, thinking through this doesn't work for oh, me. How, how can yeah. I change it? You know, or like my clients hate this every time. Like my clients always struggled early on with creating content because I think I need all your content for your website because I heard this is what you're supposed to do as a designer. I need all your content for your website um, before we can get started. Mm -hmm. And so literally every project start, would stall out at that point. I think this is true of all designers and they just don't think they say it, but I think every project would stall out because guess what? I'm working for very visual people. Mm -hmm. And so they sat down with a blinking cursor and like, no, I have no idea what to create because I haven't seen anything. And so now we develop like the first set of concepts so they kind of know what kind of content they need to create and where it's going to be and where it's going to live. Then they go through creating their content. And as soon as I switch that, that roadblock disappeared. Yeah. And so instead of just being like, no, here's this box. Please fit into this little box I've made for you that says graphic designer. Um, I think it was really helpful just to take a continually evaluative look at the process and what was working and what wasn't working. 
Yeah, and we could, uh, you know, I keep on sidetracking myself with all sorts of, <laughs> you know, other other stuff. You know, we had an interesting interview with uh, um, Ashlyn Carter. Um, yeah. You know, which will also be, you know, published at some point um, about, you know, creating content and fitting stuff yep. in that little box. But anyways, we're going to move on because there, I do want to talk about. Hey, friends, we're going to take a quick 60 second break so I can introduce you to one of my favorite companies and the sponsor of this episode, Show It. Show It is a drag and drop website building platform created especially for photographers and creative entrepreneurs. It's used by some of the biggest names in the creative industry from Amy and Jordan Demos to Caitlin James, and it's what we built our website on too. What's awesome about ShowIt is that it's both powerful and easy to use. The intuitively designed website builder makes it easy to change colors, fonts, images, and objects. Finally, a website you can update on your own without having to hire a designer for every tiny change. It's Google friendly and you can design the desktop and mobile versions of your website side by side to ensure your website looks great on any device. And you can even integrate a WordPress blog with your show at website, making it that much more powerful. And guess what? They have tons of free and premium professionally designed te- website templates to help you get started. But what makes show it such a special company is their customer support. They're super responsive and are there to help every step of the way. You can even save 10% on an annual subscription by using the code BTBSHOW. For more information, check out the show notes. And now back to our episode. Creating content and fitting stuff yep. in that little box. But anyways, we're going to move on because there, I do want to talk about uh, uh, really this question. You have, you've okay. designed brands for, you know, like you said, you, you publish a brand and you get all sorts of, you know, influx of inquiries. Um, and you, you publish, or I'm sorry, you've built websites and brands for uh, Jenna Kutcher and Caitlin James and uh, most recently uh, Shana Skidmore. And um, I imagine... Uh, that after you publish those websites, and at least, I mean, this is even an observation that, that we can make, um, that all of a sudden uh, other websites pop up that may, yeah. c- that may resemble uh, those, <laughs> those websites, right, uh, to, put yeah. it, to put it mildly. So, Good, yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess on one hand, you know, uh, um, uh, people, I mean, people love, people love your work, and so obviously, you know, imitation is, the, uh, is a, uh, I guess, a form of flattery. But at right. the same time, um, going out and copying somebody else's website because they like somebody else's website uh, is not going to be authentic or unique for them. Right. So you can't work with everybody as much as you might, you know, want to work with everybody or everybody, know. you know, a bunch of people might want to work with you. So what would you say to clients who are trying to build an authentic and unique brand, but yeah. um, maybe they, they're not... Um, ready to hire a designer you know i think mm-hmm. that's an important thing to put out there yeah like, totally I, i'm a believer that you should build your first one or two websites you know yourself give it a shot I'm with you. you know yeah totally um and there's so many resources out there like uh show it in squarespace or whatever it is mm-hmm. you know um so i'm a big believer in that or um you know maybe the, yeah there's for whatever reason they're not in a place to hire a designer so what steps yeah. can they take to build an authentic and unique brand Okay, so I love this topic um, so much, and I do think that this is increasingly this is an issue that we see, you know, and it's not just it's not just these these bigger names like Jenna and Natalie and Shannon and you know whoever else. Um, I think it's it was it's with everyone, and it's because I think because of the the state we live in right now, we have a huge advantage, and then we also have a huge disadvantage. And the advantage is that we're creatives, right? Like we have good ideas. We know what we like. Um, lots of small business owners would be like, I don't know what my website should look like. I have no idea. And just have a lack of inspiration. We don't have that problem. But we do have is an inundation with what everyone else is doing. And I think that's because of the community online of creatives. I think it's because of just the internet at large, which is just like a comparison game playground. But like 10 years ago, we would have been familiar with like maybe two other websites of our competitors in our local area, right? We would have been like, okay, I can't use this font because this guy across town is using this font and I can't put like a tree as my main image because this <laughs> other person has that. And that would have been it. It would have been like, okay, every, everything else is fair game. But now 
we literally know what the website looks like of like every other creative in the stratosphere. We know what like who they rebranded with. We know the strategy behind it. We know when they launched it. And so we're just being constantly inundated with other things in our industry, other co competitors who maybe even across the globe, we know exactly what everyone else is doing. And so because of this, I think we're tempted to skip a step and we're tempted to start with emulation instead of inspiration. We're tempted to say, okay, this is what everyone else is doing. I'm going to pick five websites that I like and kind of look at them and decide, like, I, I think this is close, but it's not quite me. This is kind of cool, but it's not quite me. And then we end up with this hodgepodge of items. And I think it's such a shame because, I, as I've told people before, like, wouldn't it be a shame if you spend all this work and, and tears and sweat equity and then your website ends up representing someone else better than it represents you? You know, that's the opposite of our goal, right? So I think that the problem is this, this emulation and it's because we're not doing kind of the first step. And Seth Godin says this great, has this great quote, it says, be the best version of yourself, not the best version of someone else. And I think that's kind of our temptation right now is like, we're just trying to like refine what someone else has to make it fit us. Um, and I've actually had this happen, you know, fairly recently. It was it was really interesting, actually, because it just gave me a, a bird's eye view into a common kind of misconception. Because I sent this very like gentle email to this lady that had um, a website that was very similar to one of my clients, and it was enough so that it was like a direct replicate. And I was like, okay, like this is probably a little bit too close. Like FYI, this is something that my client has purchased and spent money on. And so therefore like it, it would make us both feel more comfortable if you would change it um, to be a little bit less of a direct you know, re replicate of her website. And this lady very sweetly was like, actually no, like I didn't copy her website. I brought up like four of the websites you've designed and I just took pieces of each of them. And so it's really not like her website. It's just like all of them. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that probably didn't well, make you feel much better. About <laughs> I was like, you know, if you like, I've been copied you one website. I've actually copied four websites. <laughs> but she was like, this isn't copying, sure. you know. And so she was like, well, you know. And I was like, honestly, the best way I can explain this to you is like, if you take. 500 words from a few different novels and then are like, here's my new novel. It's still plagiarism. Sure. Um, so, but the but the problem was not that this lady was like a bad person. The problem was that that's how she thought you began the design process was like you look at five other websites and you go okay I like this I like this I like this put it together boom new website so, so if you had an opportunity to talk to her before yes. before she had got started um, yeah and you were you know maybe you met her in a coffee shop and just in passing conversation you knew she was working on a website you would say hey listen really you should start here yeah so I think there's this great quote um, by this guy named Austin Kleon, and he says, you don't want to look like your heroes, you want to see like your heroes, right? So you don't want to go look like Caitlin James, you don't want to go look like Natalie Frank, you don't want to look like Kristen Davey, Davey and Krista, Kristen Davey. <laughs> Um, so you want to do there in, there's a book called the brand gap and it says like the things you're supposed to do a good brand does is like identify, inform, entertain and persuade. But then there's a fifth thing and that is differentiate. Okay. So you should be starting by looking at what these people do, but then differentiating yourself and saying, what, what about this do I like? Why is this successful? See like your heroes. Why is it successful? But then how can I do it differently? And so all of this leads back to the, the homework process. And so I'm very much a homework background designer. And so that's kind of what we've really enjoyed equipping. Like even our tonic sites, we do the same exercises. So one of the first things that we do is we do a brand questionnaire. I do this with all my custom clients. We do it um, loosely with tonic as well. And it asks some questions like, okay, what would your brand look like if it was a room? Um, where would your brand shop? Um, you know, what are things that people associate with your brand right now? And so as you, as you do these questions and as you kind of look at the answers, you end up with things that are original to you because you're not asking questions about the industry. You know, your eyes are not on other people. They're back into your brand. 
Um, and so that's super helpful. That's one thing that we do. Another thing we do is called the brand interview process. And this is like something that I came up with because I'm, you know, a former journalist. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that basically entails like you answer a set of questions that are like, what's one thing about my website um, that, I, that I don't think is working well for me? Um, what's, what, how would I describe my ideal client? You answer a few of those questions and then you send the same list of questions, I think they're like four, you send a few of those questions to other people that you trust or like your partner, like Krista would answer it. And so as you begin to compile those answers, you see the common themes and the common threads throughout. So armed with this homework, all of a sudden you have this rubric of like, okay, my brand should feel like this, my object is this. And so I know then how to speak to them. And just a cool example of this, um, at Show at United, where you guys were, um, we were talking through this whole brand interview process and I mentioned the one about, you know, where would your brand shop? And that's one of my favorite questions because it sounds like the most like airheaded, you know, L Woods approach to graphic design. Um, but it's actually super telling. And one of the girls came up to me afterwards and she's like, oh my gosh, I realized that all this time I've been trying to be J. Crew. And really my client would shop at Sephora. And she was like, and so I was like, yeah, okay, let's unpack that a little bit. So Sephora, like you walk in, it's super well organized. Um, it, the people are really helpful. Like everyone's like, hey, what can I help you with? Can I help you find something? Um, it's really, really editorial and like their website is very like editorial and clean. And she was like, yeah, so like, I guess my website needs to be super well organized. And I was like, hey, you know what you could do? You should go back and look at like the Sephora magazines and mailers and stuff and figure out like, why are they doing what they're doing? And guess what? Sephora is not another photographer in her area. Yeah. <laughs> Sephora is like a multi-bajillion dollar company <laughs> that hires genius graphic designers that make them bajillion dollars. So you can bet that they've really thought this process through. So that's one of the favorite things that we do even with our tonic sites is like, okay, if this site needs to appeal to someone who likes J.Crew, let's not look at a bunch of photographers who have websites like J.Crew. Let's look at J.Crew and say, okay, how are they using space and fonts and what do their stores feel like? Because we want someone who loves J.Crew to feel really at home on this website. So it's crazy to me because as soon as you have this, like, this inspiration, you're going to end up with something unique because you can't help but do that. You're not starting with like what this industry, you know, is super common. And that's why we have this like state of homogeny in our industry where you can barely differentiate, you know, all these websites because they're all using the same fonts, the same colors because they're all looking at each other. And I like it just doesn't make sense to look at another person. <laughs> yeah, so. I think that the best thing you can do to stay inspired is look outside your industry or at, at least one of the best things that you can do. Uh, I know that Krista does that for design and that our brand questionnaire has uh, some similar questions uh, and never would we ask like, hey, list your five other favorite photographers, you know, and what you love about their website. That would just be, you know, there's no way you stay inspired that way. Um, and the part is that like, I think that I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'll let you ask yeah, the question, you ask. but I think that people go, okay, I'm not going to look at other designer. I'm not going to look at other websites. I won't look at like this person's new branding because I don't want to copy. You know, most people have had that in mind to begin with. But then they don't know where to look. And sure. so they're like, well, this is super frustrating because, you know, either they go down the Pinterest rabbit hole and they end up with <laughs> a bunch of stuff that they think they like that doesn't go together and they don't know why they like it because they were hungry and so they just pinned like a ton of recipes, you know, whatever. Um, Pinterest is both great and terrible. Or, <laughs> Same or they problem, just, just too much information to consume. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We're just like spammed with inspiration. Or they sit there with like a blank screen. And they're like, okay, got to hammer out this website design. And they have nothing to start with. Um, and so, yeah, some of our favorite sources of inspiration, like whenever Jeff and I get together to design tonic sites, we've designed tonic sites based on like a cool store that we were in. And we're like, man, we love the way this feels. We want a website that feels like this. Um, I was on a plane back from Greece and I saw this really amazing in-flight magazine and there was a story in it. And I love the layout of the story. And so I like took all these the snapshots on my phone of the story layout. And then when I got home, I designed a website that like had a similar feel. And it that wasn't must have been copy. the most beautiful in-flight magazine ever. You know, like you probably weren't flying like Southwest or something like that. <laughs> it was, no. Actually, I think we were flying like super budget. Have you ever flown, um, uh, what is it, WOW? Have you flown WOW Air? No, we have heard of it, never flown it. So it's called WOW because you're constantly saying WOW during the flight, like 
wow, water is twelve dollars. <laughs> wow, the seat doesn't recline. Wow, my tray table is stuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, isn't that like a Iceland Air? Um, yeah. Part of Iceland Air or something like that. I think so. Like I'm not really sure. It felt like airline. a scam. Yeah. That this the the airline attendants were like really good looking, <laughs> and that I decided was like that's their selling point. Is like the airline attendants are really good looking. Everything else is terrible. But it was cheap. So, but anyway, but their inside magazine super on point. So good to know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even for things like uh, content marketing, you know, um, marketing business, uh, things when I'm looking for inspiration, uh, I try not to look at what everybody else is doing in their marketing efforts within the industry um, because there's all sorts of things going on in other industries that are really cool and um, that that are interesting and innovative. uh, And so I find it's a lot easier then to kind of appropriate those ideas, um, you know, for our own industry where maybe they haven't been used as much or maybe they haven't exactly. been seen as much, you know, that sort of thing. Um, right. So I, I love like, that. You take an idea and then you go back to like that, the brand gap and say, okay, how do I differentiate this idea now for me? Like how can I take this and not just plug and play it? How do I take this idea and do a version of it that fits with my brand? But yeah, looking outside our industry, I think is, is a huge, is a huge place. Yeah. Krista loves uh, reading, you know, especially fiction um, books. Uh, for for inspiration, but again, staying out of industry. So I love that insight. I love how you focus on, you know, not what everybody else is doing uh, in the industry. Yeah. And I think that's a great piece of advice for um, anybody else. So w- what else is there? Anything else that that people can do um, as they, uh, you know, create their their brand and their website to make sure that it's unique? Yeah, just to make sure that they're uh, not looking towards what everybody else is doing. Yeah. So I think the next important thing after you kind of figure out the tenets of your brand, like, okay, you've done your brand questionnaire, you've done your brand brand interview, you have kind of a hold on like those things. I think the next thing is who's your ideal client? You know, who do you want this brand to appeal to? Because ultimately, if you do a great job articulating your brand online, but you don't target it to your ideal client, you're still not going to get the success that you're looking for in terms of inquiries, in terms of conversion, because you've kind of left out the person. Because, and I think this is a really important thing, and this is a concept that Donald Miller teaches a lot, um, is that, you know, you're not the hero Mm -hmm. of your brand, right? Like you aren't the, like you just conveying your personality is not the point and I think this is where a lot of creatives have been really um, not well served because they've just been told like if you're yourself online people are going to fall in love with you and you're going to get booked and I honestly don't think that's true I think that you should represent yourself authentically online Um, but I think if you're if you are the focus of your brand people are not going to appeal to it because people want to see themselves represented in your work and your brand they want to know how they're going to fit into your narrative that you're creating so if you're saying like this is who I am this is who I am um, you're leaving out the most important person and that's the people that you want to serve yeah, right I think that's the biggest pitfall for an about page you know because so the about big. page it, I mean it's yeah sure it's about you you know somebody's trying to learn more right. about you but it's really about your your client you know and they want to see how they fit uh, into this experience totally. so great insight and and Donald Miller huge fan oh um, yeah uh, you know I guess his uh, building a story brand uh, is a yes. book that I just read in January highly recommend. But his podcast is also super good. Haven't listened to his podcast. I'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, super, super good. He's got one on like the pitfalls of your website. And I think it's really smart. I'm an advocate for like less text on a website. I'm an advocate for making sure that it's not just you. And then you're thinking back, like I was just to expand a little bit, you know, you're thinking of it from a process of like, what is, where would my ideal client feel comfortable? And so, you know, for example, one of my clients, Audrey, um, is a client in Paris and she was like my clients love like high fashion they love like these luxury brands and so her website needed to not feel super casual and needed to feel very editorial and in line with everywhere else these people are spending time online so that was really indicative of the in project like in and the aesthetic that we wanted to create was like who, what would appeal to her ideal client both visually and then in terms of the text like that informs the tone you know you shouldn't necessarily just write in your own voice like you should think through like what is my ideal client looking to to read what are they looking to like be told um you should you don't want to just like sit down and start talking um 
So it's a matter of like, you're not being inauthentic. You know, you're not saying like, I'm going to be this different person online because you never want people to meet you and then be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm totally surprised. Like you're yeah. so different. Um, but you are choosing the bits and pieces. Like even with our tonic brand, um, Jeff and I always joke that like, we're both kind of huge dorks and then the tonic brand is really cool. And so I, I'm okay with that because when you, when you meet me, I'd rather be much more personable. You know, I, I don't, I don't mind. That's still I'd part of who I am. I'd say you guys are pretty cool too though. Well, right, thank just, you. Yeah, <laughs> I was just setting you up, just teeing you up for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cool, Jen. No, but like in, I'm definitely much more personable and, and I think you see that like in my email correspondence with tonic, et cetera, but the tonic brand, we still make it our goal. Even in tonic is like, we're here because we want to help you look cool. You know, tonic is not about us being cool. It's worth saying like you are too cool to be stuck with a website that isn't as cool as you are. Um, and that's our goal is like, how can we elevate you? You don't want to work with tonic just because we seem pretty great. Um, and we know that like that, that's not the goal. So, again, using which parts of your personality are the most important to show online, but keeping in mind, like it's not, it's not just about you. Yeah, I mean, if 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 I took uh, if I tried to be completely myself on my website, every picture of me would be in sweatpants. Right? Like I literally, <laughs> I put on this for this interview, but in general, I'm just in I'm in sweatpants. Um, exactly. But I, I love I love that you brought I love that you transitioned to um, to that and uh, and how people uh, receive your website because usability is a huge uh, aspect yes. of building a website as well. So it's you know uh, it, it's great to have. Um, awesome aesthetics and uh, to have something visually that um, that reflects you in a brand. Uh, but then there's mm -hmm. also that next step of figuring out how people are going to work through your website and use your website. Uh, and that's, you know, to a certain extent, a whole new, a uh, whole uh, another beast. So do you have any advice for people thinking through that kind of thing? Yeah. So if you are launching a new website and you've never had someone who hasn't been through it, go through it and try to click things and like see what works and where they get lost that's a huge part of the process is going, okay, wait a second, like someone needs to use this because the average person has never interacted with your website before. And if they, if people get lost, you, you have failed. And I like to say that you have about, you know, I think it's, you have 0.08 seconds to make a first impression on your website. So if they immediately, if they get there and they have, I call it the cheesecake factory menu syndrome where they don't know what to do and don't know what to, ne to do next, you've already lost them you've lost that lead um and so i'm a big fan of like looking at your website and figuring out where are you directing people especially from your homepage. i see this a lot there's just this smorgasbord of options but there's nothing that's like elevated in terms of scale or size or design where you're funneling people through because you want people to get to your website and click you know pretty early on yeah. you want them to interact in some way and i think intuitively we think oh people want access to all the things they want all of the information and i i people don't i mean i think about my favorite no. restaurants uh exactly. generally have the smallest menus i'm so with you on that one and i i assume when there are 400 things that there are two of them that are probably good <laughs> And they're hidden in this menu yep. and I have no idea where they are. But whenever people are confident enough to only give me a couple of options, I'm like, they must feel really good about these options. Um, and I love that. Like I love knowing, I love recommendations. That's like one of my favorite things. So I love when it's like someone says like, this is my favorite thing. Cause I have the confidence of like, this is going to be good. So I think the same thing approach is, 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 is true of the approach to website design. Like you want people to immediately feel confident about where they should go. Um, and I love like layering content in, but you want that process to be very intuitive where people are going, oh yes, I do want more. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, I will read more of this. And they're making choices that are already have basically been predetermined. Yeah, um, just meeting people where they're at, you know, in their, yeah. in their thought process and, um, you know, as they're exploring their, your site and thinking about, um, you know, what they want from you. Um, so is there anything else? Um, in, in terms of UX? Oh, or just in terms of uh, building an authentic and unique brand. Yeah, I mean, I would just, just one of my favorite things to say about this issue is like, when you start with intention, you create with purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, and all of this goes back to intentionality. 
when you do your homework, you know, when you refuse to just like survey the creative landscape, when you think about your UX experience as you're designing your site, thinking about like, what do I want people to do? Where do I want them to go? All of that is just intentionality. And what that takes is time. You know, it takes thought and it takes time. And I think creatives, we're very into like, immediate gratification and we have this need to make sure that we're being very well represented online which is very good that we think that way um but i think it's really important not to skip a step you know and lose the intentionality and so i mean part of that you guys have this with your palm shop and we have that with tonic where we've tried to take a lot of the guesswork out of that process so we've kind of done a lot of the intentionality for our clients and said like okay this is how a good flow works and so you know if you're listening to this and you're like hey i need some inspiration like how should my website work feel free to just go and look at the sites that we've designed and and click through them and see kind of how we've chosen to build an experience i think that can be really helpful as just seeing like how designers do what they do and then take that and you know and use that as okay this is in my arsenal now to know like how a website should flow um, I think it's really, it's so vital to just have an intentionality approach to the design process just holistically. Yeah. And I think we live in a world now where there's no excuse not to have a pretty good looking website because you so have true. template shops like um, Tonic and you have yep. website building platforms like Show It that really do take the guesswork out of, you know, you don't need to know code to to get on Show It and, and work through that. Exactly. And it's going to take a little bit of learning if you've never been in it before, but it's uh, it's worth it because it's a flexible enough pat- platform to do the things that you um, want to do on it. And we um, love it because like we'll get people that are like, man, I thought I needed a custom website, and I feel like this website you guys designed is like exactly built for me. And that's like been most most of the rewarding things. It's like people have said, you know, they felt like the the products that we designed were custom built for their brand. And I think that's because we do have such a person in mind for each of our products, and we have such a brand that we've created for each one that we know like this. All of our sites are based on cocktails, which you may know, but we know like this is what this kind of this the vodka soda would look like this and would be this kind of brand it would have ideal clients like this and so we've really tried to take that approach and i think it's been cool just to see like who matches up with what and who really goes like this is totally me awesome yeah and and i think that there's a lot of value in even starting with a template or building your own website um and going through that process and thinking about these things because i think when you do that you're the first you know two maybe even three websites when you when you're ready for custom design you're going to be that much more coherent to your designer you know you're going to be able to say hey listen this is what works for this is what's worked for me in the past this is what what hasn't um i thought this was you know kind of my brand but i feel like it's more more this um and so i think it just makes it easier for your designer too when you get to having a custom brand and website all right so when do you think people are ready for custom branding and web uh web design well, I definitely think it's later than most people think um, because I get a lot of very well-meaning inquiries that are like, okay, I just started a business and I want to start out right. I want to make sure I have my brand and my website on point. And so I'm ready to like invest and really get that done. Um, and it's fascinating because because we're in this creative space, we all know that's what we need and which is awesome. You know, that makes my job easy because like I said, I'm never having to convince people, wow, you really need a great brand and a great website. Um, so job security is like, on point it's just fine um but generally i'm like no you know don't do this right now you need to live in your brand you need to occupy your brand first um because i like to say a designer can't give you a brand they can only give your brand something to wear you know i'm not in the process of just like handing out brands that are going to make you successful and i think people see this these pieces of the puzzle a lot of times because i've worked with some of these influential people like caitlin and justin and mary and amy and jordan and they say okay they have a great brand and that's what's made them successful. However, if you look at all these people, two to one, they've all had websites for years and years and years before they had ever worked with me. And in that process, they were gaining such a great understanding of what worked for them. Amy and Jordan had built their own website. Caitlin had built their own her, her own website. Justin and Mary had had their own website. All of these people had websites for a long time. And do you know what they were doing? They were churning out great work in that period of time. They were doing great work. They were working with their clients. They were honing their client experience. And so in the end, when they came to me, they had this arsenal of everything that I needed to just knock it out of the park and say, okay, this is who we are. This is what our clients love. You know, when we did the brand interview for Amy and Jordan, 
everyone said the word joyful over and over and over in the brand interview process. And we're like, okay, dang, like, I guess their brand needs to be really joyful. And so that impacted like their, the photos that we took of them. They shouldn't be like staring sensitively into the camera. They were like laughing at each other because they needed to be joyful. Um, the copy that they wrote was very welcoming, was very enthusiastic. And they would not have known that, you know, their first year of business, mm -hmm. right? And so we wouldn't have been able to make those decisions had they come to me when they first started out. So I definitely think it's really important. And like you said earlier, I think people should build, um, especially when, since we have the tools now, since we have mm -hmm. awesome site shops and Squarespace, et cetera, go ahead and put something up. Just keep it simple. Don't stress about it. Um, don't worry about it not being overly branded. Just make sure it looks nice and clean and highlights your work well. That's basically, those are the earmarks for success for your first website. It should not detract from your work and you don't want to commit to anything that you're going to like regret in a year. So don't like put purple butterflies all over it <laughs> because then you're gonna be the purple butterfly girl and then when you change you your website- You don't wanna be the purple butterfly girl. <laughs> no. Just in life in general, you never wanna be the purple butterfly girl. Um, but I think that's where we see people in kind of the cycle of rebranding over and over and over. And we all have that friend, right? Where you're like, you just launched this website, you know, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And it's because they jumped into something and were like, this is what I need. And then I get these inquiries all the time where people are like, hey, I just worked with a designer six months ago, but the end product just doesn't really feel right. Can you rebrand for me? Because um, I think it's important. And I'm like, no, you know, don't do, like, don't do this. You're mm -hmm. not, you're skipping the homework steps basically. And yeah. you haven't lived in brand long enough. I think Caitlin had, Caitlin James had, had her own brand and her own website for like seven years before we worked together, and that's um, a long and, and that's a long time, you know. And, really and branding and web and web design it costs money, you know. Yes. Uh, and yes. so it it's just a, I mean, you could take that money uh, and and you know it can help you figure out what your brand uh, you know website should look like before ever yeah. getting to hire a hiring a designer uh, and spending okay. a ton of money on something that's going to change six months or a year later. My, our tonic designs are like one, you know, eighth to tenth of the price that most of my custom clients invest. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because I will tell someone who's just started the photography business that it's inquired with me. I'm like, well, you know, my average client usually invests this and it's a high amount. Um, and they're like, sure, that's fine. And my husband gets mad at me because I'm like, no, like, <laughs> do not put this on a credit card. Like, go out there and buy a beautiful template design mm -hmm. for like, under a thousand dollars or around a thousand dollars and enjoy that it's gonna make your work look great you don't need me yet you know you don't need me and in fact I would probably be a disservice because I would be branding your business now before it's ever had a chance to grow into what it could be in another couple of years um, so I, I have to ask this question uh, as yeah. we wrap up here uh, because it's such a it's I see this debate every other week uh, in in a Facebook group somewhere with a bunch of photographers <laughs> wondering should they put their um, their prices on their website? So I wanna know what everyone else answers this question because I feel like you're gonna get different answers from all the different designers. Yep. Um, so I definitely tend to think that, especially if you are at a higher price point, it's wise to say what your average client invests because all that it basically does is it keeps you from answering a lot of other emails um, that are just like tire kicking emails that are like, hey, how much do you charge? How much do you charge? So. I think that I don't think it's going to hurt you basically to list that amount and have people inquire for more info because if people really fall in love with your work, they're probably still going to email you even if your website says, I start at six grand. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to say like, man, I love your work. Is there any way we can work together? And you'll still have the opportunity to evaluate. Um, if you are just building your business and you are in a place where you're turning away clients, then I think maybe you don't list your list your um, price on your website and you do accept those inquiries. And and then you send them pricing guides and give them the ability to fall in love with your work first um, and then be kind of equipping them with the, the pricing information. So I think it kind of depends on where you are in your business. But in general, I'm, a I'm in favor of it. Yeah, and we uh, we have an article on uh, our blog about this question. We answer it, I think, in pretty much the exact same way. Um, we list our average, you know, uh, our average client spends, um, and it yeah. is, you know, so that people have an understanding of what they can expect to spend. But right. on our website, and 
Um, we focus, we focus more on the experience, you know, because if people need right. to know collections, we don't ever really advocate listing collections and things like that yeah. and deliverables, you know, uh, on yeah, your website. Totally. Um, so, well, that's, that's great, uh, that we are, we're on the same page, uh, with I'm that. so glad. I thought you were going to just be like, nope, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Cut this out of the interview. No. Um, yeah. Like so off the podcast. Uh, where can people follow along? And I know we, we um, Jen is uh, kind enough to uh, give away some, uh, yeah, I guess, the brand questionnaire and the brand interview process, right? Uh, you can yeah. download those, uh, and we'll include links to that in the show notes. So check that out, especially if you're going to go through a, a website redesign or brand um, redesign in, in the near future. Um, yeah. But where can even people follow? Even if you're not, honestly, I mean, not to interrupt you, but even if you're not, I think it's really helpful, no matter where you are in, in your process, to kind of be knowing those answers about your brand, your clients, like what other people, how they perceive it. So, you know, don't feel like you have to be going through a redesign for it to be useful. Yeah. And we'll include that in the show notes. So if you're, if you're wanting to download those, go to the show notes, there'll be a link there um, where you can download that. But where can people follow along with uh, you? Yeah, so you can find my personal, you know, the the Tonic Sight Shop, um, where Jeff and I run that. That's over at tonicsightshop.com. So we'll have some a mixture of website design and cocktail recipes, basically. Um, Tonic Sight Shop. You can find um, us on Instagram at Tonic Sight Shop, and then you can find me personally, which currently is mostly photos of my very handsome husband and children, um, occasionally with things that inspire me at Jen Olmstead on Instagram. And it is a great looking family and you always have great <laughs> recommendations. I mean, even, I mean, Thanks. on Tonic, you're, you know, you will we'll find the, the cocktail recipes and all that, but even on your personal Instagram. And I want people to know that when I need a good show to watch or yeah. look to read or something like that, Jen is uh, one of the people that I go to. Um, and I, I, I feel like we share a, um, yeah, some some similar tastes when it comes to uh, TV and movies and things like that. I think we do. I feel like I feel like I can now count on the fact. However, do you like The Walking Dead? No, I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't huge. Oh. Just the first couple. Oh. Just the first couple seasons of Walking Dead, and then I lost interest. Okay. Um, then yeah, then we can still be friends because I, maybe it's Tyler Harrington that still likes Walking Dead. It is I feel Tyler like Harrington. that's a rubric it's now. Tyler and Michael. Yes. Yep. Okay, that makes sense because that's kind of my rubric now. Because I'm like, if you still like The Walking Dead. We probably are on the same page because yeah. my my husband still watches it. I think mostly out of like duty because he's committed <laughs> to this for so long. It's like a relationship. Yeah. Um. But all I hear is just like <laughs> for like an hour. It's like yeah. I just crazy. lost interest. Yeah. yeah it's so. Bad. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, I feel like that needs to be like an aside for your podcast. Like, what are you watching right now, or like what book are you reading? So that's. That's a good little, you know, tip for you. Little yeah. Hot take. So do you have a do? You, what's your what's your latest <laughs> recommendation one there? For I mean, TV, I t- TV like TV I recommended watch. you. I love the marvelous Miss Maisel, and my husband yes. loved it too. I feel like it's like it's Gilmore Girls for people who thought Gilmore Girls is a little too cloying, and yeah. it's not embarrassing. Like my husband watched it with me and really enjoyed it. So I would I would start there. Although I will say that it definitely has some vulgar moments. So if you're looking for like the super family friendly show, I wouldn't necessarily sure. say that. So, um, sure. other than that, it's great. And uh, and Red Oaks. Let's not leave out yeah. uh, Red Oaks. That was so surprisingly sad. good. Sad that it was only four seasons. Good. I um, know. Definitely makes me think I should have lived in the eighties. You should have. My I generation. Like should. I should have been put in a different different generation. But anyways, we can go yeah. on about this stuff uh, forever. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was super fun. I enjoyed it. I'll see you next time when we can hotly debate other shows and or, you know, pricing, website, options, etc. Thanks for listening to the Brands That Book podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving a review so that others are more likely to find it. For show notes and other resources, visit DavianKrista.com.